0: Welcome to the official It's All Dead podcast. The music is dead. Long live the music. Alright, welcome to the official It's All Dead podcast. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. I'm Kyle Hawk, the creator and editor-in-chief at itsalldead.com. It's a music website that you're likely familiar with. If you're listening to this podcast, if you're not, check it out at itsalldead.com. But thank you for tuning in today today. Um, we are doing this podcast a lot more regularly now, which I'm really happy about with a bunch of different guests and uh, our good friend our good friend uh, Brock Benefield is back on the podcast today. He's joined us several times before. I think we've talked almost exclusively about Kanye West and he's back today because we're we've dedicated I think three podcasts to Kanye now We're dedicating a podcast to Kendrick Lamar finally uh Brock, welcome back
1: thanks so much for having me Kyle I just uh if, if for all the listeners out there I just showed up randomly at Kyle's door at midnight and, and knocked on the yeah. door. So
0: he was adamant that we do this podcast on Kendrick Lamar. Um and I honestly don't know. We're recording this uh what is today? On a Monday, March 14th. I have no idea when this podcast is gonna run because we just ran a huge one on Panic at the disco. But the the crux of the conversation today is that we're talking about Kendrick Lamar and more specifically his untitled release of basically eight B-sides uh, from To a Butterfly that came out out of the blue um, and debuted at number one on the Billboard uh, 100 chart. I mean, it's it's crazy to think uh, what Kendrick is capable of at this point, but that that speaks to, I think, the platform he has right now, the voice he has, and um, how passionate his audience is about hearing what he has to say, even if it's not even an official release. So before we even get into the details of it, um, I, I'm sure you found out, just like everybody else the night before, that this was going to drop out of the blue. What was your reaction when you heard about it? It was nuts. I mean, I, I was just on Twitter. I think it was the night of the Michigan primaries or something.
1: Was, mm-hmm. something one of the election primaries was going on. I yeah. just happened to be following Twitter really closely, and then all of a sudden you just – I could see in trends like Kendrick Lamar's name just kept mm-hmm. rising up and rising up and I hadn't really paid attention to it yeah. and then I clicked to find out that there was a whole album that was coming out at midnight so I stayed up I listened to it until 3 o'clock in the morning uh, was very surprised by what it was because I didn't realize it was going to be right. um, eight tracks that just hadn't made to the mm-hmm. butterfly that obviously makes sense in retrospect uh, but it was pretty pretty fascinated by, by listening to the tracks mm-hmm. and how, how odd they were
0: yeah, and, and some of this also has been performed at, on various right. like, TV appearances and things. Um, but yeah, it's super fascinating because a lot of people that were involved in the recording and production of this, they didn't even know it was going to come out until all of a sudden. I mean, it just seemed <laughs> like such a random, sudden thing. But like I mentioned, it debuts at number one on the Billboard charts. Um, it, it's been huge. Everybody's talking about it. What does that, before we get into, I guess, to the, the nitty-gritty of the album, what does that mean to you? What does that speak to you about where Kendrick is at right now? Well, I think... Kendrick is sort of the consensus favorite right in rap
1: music so mm-hmm. he sort of matches quality and, and, and the quantity of fans uh better than anyone else but I also think this underlines um the importance of the stunt around the album release right in the age yeah. of streaming if you don't have some sort of stunt um to generate interest it doesn't seem like it. I think it's just a
0: lot harder to sell
1: albums would you agree
0: yeah no there's no question about it um it's it's almost a given at this point that you have to have something there to create a little bit of spin because again let's be honest yes it's very good but at the end of the day these are tracks and stuff that didn't make the cut for to pimp butterfly which you know for a lot of albums it's different to but butterfly i think is such a great album that even the tracks that didn't make the cut are worth talking about but uh there it the the whole way that it rolled out i think just makes sense for for what we're getting from it yeah um and so, as I told you before we started, I, uh, you know, a lot of sites have already run their reviews. I mean that that whole cycle has already happened. People, I guess, providing their feedback. We didn't do a review for it; it's all dead. Um, I'm still I'm still digesting it a little bit. For some reason, I didn't feel like there was a need to rush to put out a review for this, but I do think it's worth of a discussion like we're having tonight. Um, to me, when I listen to a lot of it, it's all really good. A lot of it feels very, very much like "To Pimp a Butterfly," exactly. both in tone um, and sonically, um, just all the way around. Um, and and I'll, I'll share, I guess, some more uh, granular notes as we go along here. But I know you've made, you've spent a lot of time with. Uh, the songs and you, you've made a lot of notes about it I know you're excited to kind of break it down so I want to kind of give you the opportunity to to lead us through your take on this sure. on this well, project so I think
1: the, the the biggest takeaway I had from the album um, was the irony and the fact uh, that like you said this feels very much thematically of Tipin- but- a Butterfly mm-hmm. um, it also feels like eight tracks that um, would have been on the margins of the album you can understand what each of these tracks were cut except maybe a couple, a couple seem yeah. like they really should have been in the album, but you can understand why these eight tracks weren't on there. Um, with all that said, this is this is some of the best rap music that's been released this year, and it's yeah. exceptional, it's, it's exceptional quality. So, like, it just underlines the importance of you've got our greatest rap artist, um, his shitty stuff mm-hmm. is, is some of the best stuff that's out there, right? Yeah, um, but yeah, it's. It, the reason I think all this got cut was it's just reiterating a lot of the things um, around institutional racism, around self-doubt, around struggling with fame. I mean, this is a guy that really is, is battling internally with the idea of being famous, right? Yeah. And that's that's hit on uh, several times in these outtakes as well. Um, I was curious, did you see the, the Colbert Report performance? Um, which is basically what Track Three is. It's, it's mm-hmm. pretty similar to the performance, and you saw you obviously saw them on the Grammys as well. Yeah. So we had two. We had the idea of what two tracks would be, um, and it's really those are two of the best tracks on 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 this uh, set of eight. So yeah. it's kind of kind of odd that those didn't make the album. But when I think back to writing that review last year of to Pimp Butterfly," my one critique of the album was like, "This is too dense." This is too heavy. This is really hard to go from point A to point B. It was one of my favorite albums of the year, and I thought it was an exceptional album. But why I still think um, Good Kid, Mad City is a more interesting and uh, um, more entertaining album to get through is that it just doesn't have that, that weight of song after song of hitting on the same points. And uh, to all the people who have listened to these eight tracks and they've thought, why didn't, why weren't, you know, Pimper Butterfly was too short and why weren't these eight added? It's just like you know, go go listen to, to Pimp yeah. Butterfly from A to B. Go through the whole album, and man, it really just felt like a slog. And yeah, um, and 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 these eight, I think, if you, if you added more, it would have felt much the same.
0: Yeah, it's definitely it's a companion piece to me. It's a, if you've fully digested To Pimp a Butterfly and um, have spent a good deal of time with it, this is the next stage to spend some time with these songs. But I, so one thing I remember, so Brock wrote uh, the review for To Pimp a Butterfly. To so, Pimp a Butterfly for It's All Dead, which we named our album of the year 2015, I, I still think that it's quite possibly the best album of the new decade and um, that there may not be anything to compete with. It. I think I was a little different with you in that I, I liked the density of it, um, and I've always enjoyed that about music. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up, and I, I might as well bring it up now since you have alluded a little bit to just how rich and dense his songs are there have been several pieces out there that have talked about I guess the idea of what is it that makes people so attracted to Kendrick's music because it's not pop music it's not made for the radio it's very socially conscious there's a lot to dissect mostly because Kendrick is it's such an internal battle especially on Dependent Butterfly and these new songs where there's so many different viewpoints coming at you that you're in the moment having to dissect and get an understanding of where Kendrick's at and empathize with him as a person Um, and, and come to an understanding of what he's, who he's trying to speak to and what he's trying to say. It's a lot on top of the fact that he's using jazz and soul and funk and all these, these genres that aren't even a part of like our current musical climate to convey these messages. There's a lot there that you would think push listeners away, but yet again and again, it seems like he's still on top of the rap game. He's still at the forefront of everybody's mind and everybody loves him. I mean, why do you think that is? I just feel like in in this is the
1: age of plurality, right? Like if we if we go we if I jump in the car now and I turn on the radio, it's it's not likely I'm gonna hear a Kendrick Lamar song. Mm-hmm. But he's able to um he's able to ma- he's able to have those albums live on and I think while listening like, to go back to to Pimp Butterfly, while listening to that album last summer may not have been the uh, the easy listening uh, that like a, a good Drake album would be right it's it's so fun to to go back and revisit it I thought yeah. easily one of the worst tracks on the album was How Much a Dollar Cost but I was re-listened to that track today it's a bomba uh, song it's a bomba song I know does that, does that make him like a little less cool in your eyes that, that that's the that was his favorite song dude on that I album. told you
0: that was one of my favorite songs in <laughs> the album you were the one that didn't like it does that make like you it? less cool because you don't that's your favorite song of the I'm album d- I am definitely less cool I don't know if that's the reason but
1: <laughs> like everyone heard alright like we all knew yeah, that, that yeah, was yeah. a song right we all heard but you like,
0: understand why Obama couldn't say alright was his right, favorite right. song right you know uh, how much a dog cost
1: is mildly interesting but um, a fun song to go back to and listen to and that's I think that there's just um with streaming everything is just much more music is just much more ephemeral unless it's not right and this mm-hmm. Kendrick is one of those people that 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 is not and his he's everyone can find their entry point um like we you and I've talked about this before I think um what is so interesting about the way Kendrick approaches his lyrics the way he raps is that he is um incredibly disciplined and his ability to be a point of view character, right? All yeah. of these external things, all these issues, all these things that are in his, in his music—they are all coming through the narrator. He mm-hmm. is not trying to um, describe scenes or describe elements or, or issues without sort of putting his personal in, his touch on it, right? Putting right. his input. This is not. This is not our. This is maybe our generation's uh, Chuck D, but it's it is not the same style, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think. Kendrick is, uh, while he is incredibly popular, like, his message is a little more, a little more uh, complicated, a little more interesting than I think a lot of people catch, and yeah. it's easy to, to miss what he's saying when you've got uh, easily the most talented rapper in the world, like, just uh, putting you in the back of your seat and just, like... like blowing your mind with these like incredible rhymes and lyrics yeah
0: I I do want to say that I think one of the most amazing things and one of the things that makes Kendrick one of the best artists of our generation is the fact that I don't think any of us are coming away necessarily with everything that he is trying to convey I think his his viewpoints that he's sharing and all the complexities that he's putting out there are so diverse that it's you can come at it from multiple different political viewpoints religious viewpoints a lot of different places and come away with completely different things that are all good and edifying things you know what i mean yeah like there's a there's a diverse range of audience for kendrick but i don't know if any particular sect of audience is getting the whole range of kendrick i mean you listen
1: to that and i think it's the first track where it's essentially the world it's it's essentially him talking about the world going to hell and what the rapture or the apocalypse is going to look like Mm -hmm. right and it's like we're all living in sin and like this is all going to come uh down crashing and like what other rapper what other popular rapper would attempt something like that on an album. It yeah I mean, it, this that's a very religious stance, right? And it just it's interesting to me.
0: Yeah, his Kendrick's faith is one of the more undersung and under talked about aspects of his music, I think. Alan Noble a, a fantastic writer wrote a really great piece last year for the Atlantic, I believe, that really broke down kind of his thoughts on maybe Kendrick being the most important Christian artist. On the planet, um, and, and kind of pointing out that his the Kendrick's message is a redemption arc, and it's so rich in that conversation. But it's something that it's so he does it so well. It's it, you know you brought out the track one on the new songs that's very upfront, but there's a lot of songs where it's it's a bubbling undercurrent yeah. to the music that's always there. Um, I mean, and, think of a, a track like "Black of the Berry" on "On the Pimp Butterfly." Like that's mm-hmm.
1: essentially. A song about personal responsibility and his sort of worldview that comes out of, I think, Christianity. And right? That's, what a, What an interesting uh, track that is, and coming yeah. from someone like myself, you know, I'm not a person of, of faith, and this is not necessarily uh, the kind of move, the kind of music that I would be attracted to, uh, just hearing that. Yeah. But when it comes to such an incredible uh, narrator and such an incredible artist, like it, it is fascinating. Yeah,
0: there's no question about it. Um, I'd like for you. Let's crack open your notebook and and go let's through some of these notes. Let's literally crack open the notebook. Yeah, we're um, we're doing I have, it.
1: Uh, and I never put notes down on anything, but it just uh, this is what's what happens. happen.
0: Yeah, right? I, I for me, it, it, talking track by track on this, I each time I listen to it, I enjoy a different track the most, I think, and that's a real cop out. But I don't know. There there's enough diversity there that depending on what kind of mood I'm in, different ones are going to hit me differently. I think if you had to pin me down, the last track, the Eighth song. Yeah, it's probably my favorite. It's it's fun. It kind of reminds me of I a little bit where it's right. got kind of the celebratory bouncy nature to it. There's a little bit of I guess a pop element there. Yeah, and
1: he does, and he mixes pop and funk um, as well as anyone, and and uh, that's what I think one of the other reasons why his music works so well is he just knows how to uh, filter other genres through through a pop rap element. Yeah, for sure.
0: Well, so share with us some of your thoughts track by track or some things that stuck out to you. Oh,
1: man. That is uh, this is some, some dense notes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so track, one of the, the, the interesting things, um, whether it's, it's, it's so what's also hilarious about talking about this album is like we just have to call it track two or yeah, track four. There's, there's, there's no extremely boring podcast material, but like <laughs> that's just I, I didn't memorize the dates, right? Yeah. Uh, just by song by song, whether it's like track two or track three, or on uh, seven and eight, um, this is just incredible levels of rapping. Like this, there are so many verses uh, that sound like his control verse with Big Sean, yeah. or Z- no more, some of the stuff he did on number no parties in LA, or or um, right, or some of his more impressive things in the future. Like there, this is um, this is some of his best stuff we've ever seen. Yeah, just from just like a sonic point of of, of his rapping style. Um, I want to talk to you about the third track, which is the Colbert song. Yeah, yeah. What were your thoughts on that? What were your thoughts when you first heard it? And then now that you've had sort of an album cut, um, how do you feel about that song? (laughs) Man,
0: getting right into it. The third track is interesting. Uh, It's one of the more interesting songs on the record, simply because my first reaction was to, like, get nervous. (laughs) Because I didn't know. It is a very... And I tell you, (laughs) just having this
1: conversation makes me pretty nervous. (laughs) I don't know...
0: Yeah, I you know, it's one of those things you have to hear him out a few different times and try to, like, wrap your head around where he's coming from. Because for, I mean, right off the bat, you're like, oh no, like, where is this going to go? What's right. he going to do? Um, I think my my gut got to the point of, like, okay, I just have to trust Kendrick here. Like, he literally just gave us to Pimp a Butterfly. Like, I need to yeah. hear the guy out here. Um, it's one that I'm still listening to and still trying to, like, totally figure it out. So, track three is essentially a song
1: that is... Uh, describing three different races and three different cultures mm-hmm. right and telling them uh since now kendrick now that kendrick is successful what they can add to his life right right um it then puts forth some exceptional on the nose uh racial stereotypes right. saying that the asians can provide you peace of mind uh the, the the native americans or the indians as he says can talk about the value of a land and 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 Uh, African-Americans can tell you about the value of having women in your life, right? Right. And then it sort of flips the... And then all of those seem to be, like, value adds to Kendrick's life. And then at the end, uh, his relationship with white people is uh, a transactional one where he feels like he's uh, getting exploited Mm -hmm. and in return getting a lot of fame,
0: right? Yeah, which is a huge theme on Topemba Butterfly.
1: But this is the most um a aggr- this is the most aggressive track he's done um even in some ways more so than "Blacker Than berry um that's yeah. talking about like uh how bothered he is by the people that are profiting around him right right um and it's just like you i wonder why this why this track wasn't on the pimple butterfly right because it's it's a it sounds incredible. Yeah. It's a, it's a very fun track to get through. It is. Right? Um, why? And they, they, they put it on Colbert and then it doesn't make the album. And I just... It's just interesting. I mean, putting out those racial stereotypes and the way that he does, um, it's it's going to kind of like make everyone turn their heads a bit.
0: Yeah. No question about it. As far as why it didn't make the album, I mean, we could conjecture all day as to whether that was a Kendrick decision or a label decision. Um, I honestly see it could go, see it going either way. Um, it is fascinating though, and I'm uh, just the idea of the race conversation because the the of the Berry is a very aggressive song, but uh, it's one that I guess we allow to be okay in a certain way because it's one race speaking about the same race or something. Whereas yeah. when Kendrick opens up and is going to speak here, here, and here, that makes the conversation complex in a way. Like I mentioned, the, the nervousness factor comes in when you right. press play uh, as opposed to, like, just trusting somebody to have a, a conversation about race, I guess. And it's interesting. Like, it, it um, does seem like it's a ben- –
1: even if it's clumsy, it's a benevolent look at the value enrichment of other cultures mm-hmm. until you get to white profit culture. Yeah. And then it's like, this is terrible. Right. And uh, it's, dance, it's yeah. a strong stance, man. Yeah. It's it's a kind of a blistering track, but it's 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 great yeah. too.
0: But literally if there's any artist out there that's gonna speak about that, yeah. Kendrick's the guy right Absolutely. now, right? I mean there's there's no question that he's that he has the, the capital to sure. to speak on that. And and it's also you you what's interesting about having
1: that track on eight outtakes or eight unreleased tracks is you now have the full Kendrick compendium to compare it to. So you're kind of understanding that the way he's making these albums, the way he's making his music, is essentially to take every single viewpoint, right? So it makes it a little less controversial when you know this guy's going to look in in all corners of the room and kind of just express, like, this is how I'm feeling at this moment, this is how I'm feeling at that moment. That's one of the interesting things about the way the tracks are named on this album. It's it's literally time-stamped, right? So it's just like, this is what it felt like. To be recording on April twenty eighth, two thousand fifteen, yeah, and that's that's one of the that's one of the uh, benefits of having a really confusing track listing. Yeah, no question, <laughs>
0: it's fascinating. Um, I, I think we even joked about it upon the release of like, you know, five years we're gonna look back and be like, oh yeah. Untitled 2, 9, <laughs> right, 14, right. 14. I don't remember the dates. And there's also, that like...
1: con- there's this, also this little there's the conversation around like what actually those dates mean. Was that when they stopped working on the track? Was that when they started working on the track? Is that some sort of yeah, mystery yeah, yeah. date that has some some hidden meaning to it that we haven't caught? Um, I don't really care. I'm not yeah. going to pay any more attention to it. Um, one of the other tracks I wanted to, to bring up under, uh, is the track. Um, it's sort of it's track number five. Sort of It's more jazzy. Uh, Anna Wise, is, who's, who's become a, a collaborator with Kendrick on several songs. I think it's Anna Wise, right? Um, Anna Wise is on the track. J-Rock's on the track. One of the other TDE guys is on the track. It's, 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 his verse is awful. Um, <laughs> and it's it's almost a perfect song. Like, Anna Wise is exceptional. It, they're so fun together. Yeah. Um, one of the like um, hidden things in Kendrick's music is how good he and J-Rock are together. They're mm. exceptional. Yeah. J-Rock... Incredibly inconsistent artist Not one of my favorite rappers Seems to be as famous as he's ever going to get And that's him rapping on Kendrick right. uh, Tracks But he's so good on this yeah. And had this track been um, More of a Character driven Track between two great rappers And that And they were battling back and forth off each other The entire track It would have been perfect Kyle yeah. It's, such, it's <laughs> almost a perfect song And they return to this this theme of institutional race, racism and how that impacts individuals and how that drives negative behavior. Sure, I just wish that this was a track where you've got two guys playing two different characters and they're having a dialogue. That would yeah. have been exceptional.
0: No, I agree. I agree with everything you said right there. It's The reason that track stands out to me is because I guess the collaborative nature of it, whereas the rest of the songs are very... Kendrick focused but what's fascinating about that is that like you mentioned just his lyrical ability he's on another planet right now from everybody else not only in terms of just straight lyrics but his delivery styles and the mechanisms he uses because from track to track it's like a different delivery he's given us there's some he's like half singing Um, so to have this track with all these different voices on it is like a, a refreshing change of pace um, and it's really cool to like hear other people supply those voices in addition to just Kendrick himself um, But yeah, I think what you're saying kind of speaks to just a, the, another example of this is a B-side that somebody decided You know two days before it came out to yeah. put out there a song that wasn't a perfect song It's so close um, to an A-side I mean I wish I could have produced that
1: track It so <laughs> much fun <laughs> If only Brock had been in the studio <laughs> And this, this is what we love when we go back and listen to uh, The Life of Pablo. What we love about Kanye and what is missing, I think, in so many rap albums now, and it's probably just the economics, is how amazing collaborations are mm-hmm. and how integral that is into good rap music. Yeah. And the cool part of, of, of about Kendrick is that he has this close um, group of people that are constantly collaborating with him and they're doing it in an interesting way. Yeah. And these are two of the most interesting people with Anna and J-Rock. Um, but man, that's just—it's—it's it's so good when they get it right, and I wish more rappers uh, did more collaborations that were more inclusive, right? Rather than yeah. just these these uh, collaboration albums between two artists. I kind of like mixing ingredients; like it's so refreshing at the end of the album when when we when when Cee-Lo's on the album, right? Yeah, it's just so fun to, to hear someone like that. Finally, get a chance to to sing on a Kendrick song.
0: Well, I've got a hunch that Kendrick's next album will be more collaborative, and I'm only saying that simply because to a butterfly is very much takes place inside the head of Kendrick. I mean, it, it doesn't make sense for a lot of other voices to be at play there. And on top of the fact that I feel like the collaboration on that album is him and the instrumentation as well. Because yeah. it, like all the live instruments that are used in the genre, I don't, I don't think we're going to get another jazz, soul, funk album from Kendrick Lamar. Oh, I, I be, think you're wrong. I could be wrong, but I, I, think, think... The, I, I think the next one is going to be different. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I could
1: totally see an entire... Jazz funk album coming out from Kendrick Lamar. Like that's, that's just his that's thing just, now. I, I'm not saying that's the. I'm not saying he's going to commit to uh, just doing those two genres, but he's getting so close to just making a jazz or funk album, <laughs> and he seems so intrigued by different genres. I, yeah, I don't think he's stepping away anytime soon. But that's a great point. I hadn't really thought about that. Clearly, *Piper Butterfly* is the, as, as personal as you can get in an album. Um, what was one of the other things that was interesting about Good Kid, M.A.D. City? It just feels like Kendrick and his group of friends, right, mm-hmm. sort of coasting through their late teens. Um, and so, yeah, it, that would it, it, it's the logical next step that he would have a pretty cool collaboration album. And man, that would be so good. That'd be so fun to have.
0: Yeah. So one thing that's interesting here is we had talked on one of the last Kanye podcasts. We referenced a list that Complex put together of the rapper that holds the championship belt for a given year year by year like this is this was the person this was the rapper the artist that kind of owned this particular year and we were having a discussion about it because they gave 2015 to drake when i was arguing uh, more along the lines of of kendrick holding that place um so here we go into 2016 and we're expecting to have a year where kendrick has maybe disappeared somewhere he's Hold up in a studio yeah. or he's gone off somewhere else. It's just gonna, this is Drake's year, and Kanye put out an album. We'll hear from Kendrick, you know, 2017, 2018. And now all of a sudden, Kendrick's back in the discussion of being the guy for 2016. I mean, I don't know. what are And, and there's still a lot of year left, I mean, sure. let's be clear, but a lot has happened already. We got a Kanye album, kind of. Yeah. Uh, we got a Kendrick album, kind of. We don't know what we're going to get from Drake. We don't know what we'll get from guys like uh, Chance or Childish Gambino or uh, whatever else may come. I mean, yeah. how is the year shaping up for you in terms of that?
1: It's fascinating how unimportant a month later um, the life of Pablo seems. It, it doesn't mm. seem like it's really um infiltrated many conversations since the album came out. Right. Still think it's an exceptional album. Um, I just think all of the things that happen around it kind of kill the momentum. I am very surprised um Summer 16 is that that's what I call the Drake song. Yeah. Um how boring and uninteresting that song is. Yeah. Um I'm eager to see what he comes out by the by the summertime. Um and then Kendrick does this and owns the Grammys and now he has a title belt. So yeah. we'll see if he keeps it the rest of the year. I can't imagine him having a more interesting moment than he's had the last two months. It's been perfect. Yeah, so he's going to leave us for nine months now. It's hard to see someone in that in not being around. Yeah, uh, kind of holding the title belt at the end of the year. There seems like there's going to be some great moments. But if it doesn't come on the Drake album, or if it doesn't come on the other two Kanye albums that are going to come out <laughs> this year, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to come. Um, I'm particularly intrigued. I love Run the Jewels. Their third album is going to have a ton of anticipation. Also, Killer Mike has been on the forefront uh, politically with his support of Bernie Sanders, but also just being—he's yeah. just on every talk show and he's he's had a, a platform in a way that um he hasn't before which is really interesting and he was it's, it's two months ago he's the person i thought would be sort of the title belt wearer at the end of the year so it will be interesting yeah. to see where they go but a lot of a lot of this is going kind to of depend on that drake album and yeah. if we get more kanye or if we get finished kanye
0: two thoughts to bounce off there one uh the thing about the kanye album for me is my title my free title month runs out in yeah. like a couple days. Right. And, and then what? You right. know what I mean? It's not right. like. I mean, I, I'm not going to have access to the album anymore. So, I'm not unless to that album anymore. gets released, I mean, it's completely isolated itself from having a chance to be in talks of like making a big dent on this year, right? Right.
1: I mean, I, how. Um, that album is just going to be defined by its delivery, it seems, and how no one was on title. And yeah. that was just. One of the I mean that mixed with all the other controversy. You can't of course in any way overlook that. But yeah, everyone I've talked to that's actually listened to the album and are fans of Kanye are familiar with his music. It's like this is wonderful. Yeah. But it's hard, um, it's hard to get a lot of generate a lot of enthusiasm around it. And it's it's increasingly problematic that like the one song they put out there as a single is famous. Which is like, the you know, this is the spark of all the outrage around Kanye, yeah, as yeah, it yeah. was. Um, it just doesn't seem like people... I think people are just exhausted with Kanye in a way that it's 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 gotten into the fans as well.
0: Yeah, I, I know a lot of people that would normally listen to a Kanye album that just haven't even gone near it for all of those reasons and because, you know, they don't even want to take the time to set up a title account. Right. Especially after all that, you know. Right. I mean, some people may not have even even without all of the extracurricular things that... Uh, set an unfortunate tone before the release um, I also wanted to talk to you about Killer Mike because I know you're a huge fan of Run the Jewels, I really enjoy them as well and it's been awesome to see Killer Mike kind of out there, having a voice being on some of these shows like you mentioned um, he's he's just an incredible guy um, wh- why do you think, I feel like Run the Jewels are big and like the underground, like what used to be sort of the backpacker hip hop scene, Yeah, but they're not it's strange to me that they don't have a bigger audience, especially because of Killer Mike. I just, I I don't know. What is it that you think keeps them and him in particular from being at the forefront of these kinds of conversations? Probably because they've been around for so long. Uh, They're not young
1: guys. Mm -hmm. This is not, um, they've slowly built, I mean, you know, 12 years ago, Killer Mike was a pretty big rap star. Sure. Um, And I think there's nothing like, there's no momentum around like people in their late 30s, right? In, yeah. in, in, in rap music. So that's probably the main reason. But they've, over the last two albums, really have built a sizable art audience. And in a year where um, no one immediately takes the belt, this is where I think it could be interesting to have a, a smaller artist. Yeah. Uh, our smaller group, like Run the Jewels, comes to the forefront, right. especially in the election year, where these guys are very political. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if Donald Trump is the Republican nominee, and Killer Mike and LP are in the studio making tracks, like, yeah. prepare to have some really interesting stuff come to well. Oh. oh,
0: absolutely. Yeah, we need they're,
1: it. They're already talking about it on Twitter, and they right. are hilarious, <laughs> and they are cutting. like All the, all the reasons uh, white nationalists would have to like Donald Trump um, right, they can come back with with the, the same cutting humor and the same uh, slams that yeah that the other side can. No question.
0: <laughs> um, I, I hope I didn't sidetrack this too much by jumping down that thread. Did you? I mean, you closed up the notebook. Did you have more to share about the? the I have. About, I wanted to have begin... about eleven more pages
1: to share, so we can go track. We can go, go into the liner notes. We can go track <laughs> by track. And... <laughs> Just give us a couple more
0: thoughts because sure. I, I completely derailed this back into Kanye and other things. Although I did want to bring up Killer Mike, but
1: um. Yeah, I think it, there's some interesting repetition in this album that we haven't... Um, I don't know if I've seen that before in Kendrick. Um, it sounds like sort of old Biddy Siegel where he was going to repeat the same lines and, yeah. and uh, use some interesting verses that way. Yeah, especially track two, um, I feel like. Yeah. Um, we talked about the funk and jazz elements that happened. I, I, it would have been cool to see a little bit more of that in, in the rejected album, in the rejected tracks. Um, but yeah, that's about, that's about it, man. It, these are eight solid tracks. Or seven solid tracks, really, um, and it's 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 cool to have it, especially when you this wasn't on anyone's radar. The, right. the idea of a new Kendrick album wasn't even conceivable because we had had one um, what was it, eight months ago, nine yeah. months ago. So um, it's just a a nice way, much like the Control verse did. I think it was in two thousand thirteen, yeah, late two thousand thirteen. It's it's a beautiful stunt to pull off um, with a group of tracks that is good enough to release. Not good enough for an album, but really good enough to release. And just showcases, like, this is where I am and this is where everyone else is. And these are my throwaway tracks and everyone else can just eat off that.
0: Yeah, I mean, who else are we talking about at this point that puts out this... Like a, a track or an album of B sides, and yeah. we're sitting here having the, a really important podcast conversation sure. about it. Well, Drake. It's, I mean,
1: Drake Drake can do that with a mixtape, right? That's but it's um,
0: not the same level. Yeah, like Drake not. is not anywhere near the conversation that Kendrick is having right, right now. I mean, it's it's just two different things, right? Sure. Which is fine. Um, we, we'll talk. We would talk about Drake, and obviously, you know, I mean, last year the mixtape to me it was an album. Yeah. Uh, but regardless. Um, they're both conversations to have. I'm just more fascinated by the Kendrick conversation, I guess.
1: But the interesting thing about Drake and, like, why he won 2015 is that dude can have three walks, a couple singles, and, like, one double and then hit a grand slam, and that's what everyone remembers from the year. And, like, mm-hmm. Kendrick has a much on higher... Uh, on base and, and slugging percentage, yeah, for right? Baseball analogy, I love it. <laughs> he's, he's, <laughs> hitting, he's hitting triples and home runs all game. Yeah, but Drake wants to do that one thing,
0: like a hotline bling. That's just that kind of pops and everyone remembers yeah. for the year. So I've got a hunch he's going to do like the season finale of SNL or something. He's yeah. going to come back and give us another one of those, and then he's going to drop the album. We're we're gonna have a summer of Drake. Like I okay. feel very confident about that.
1: But. I I hope so, man. Because that that the song that um the first one something he releases so boring yeah it's just I'm exceptionally not it. boring i haven't
0: listened to it again since
1: the first time yeah I, i'll hear it every once in a while i just come across it um but he's it, just warming us up probably probably and i mean it's, <laughs> it's also like it's it's probably time to move on from Meek Mill. like me I'm, you know, I'm you know i'm being <laughs> featured in creed like a, what's what's meek mill doing in 2016 yeah you know? what a
0: weird thing that's the weirdest rat beef of in a long time yeah I mean we needed one again but I just don't think this is the one that we needed so. but aren't like so we have Drake and Common and Drake and Meek Mill
1: as like his two rap beats he, he needs a less weird rap beef yeah he needs a feud <laughs> with Kendrick doesn't he man I don't know <laughs> well, you know who knows I whatever, still oh go ahead whatever happened to ASAP Rocky what's he doing what are the ASAP guys doing I who asked to you that have? a while back yeah he was in Dope no that was a good movie but
0: yeah Future is another one. You yeah. shot him down, I think, on the last... I don't even... Maybe we were off the record at that point, but you're not a future fan. Uh, I'm not
1: a, well, I'm not a huge future fan. He's certainly not going to have the bill by the end of the year. So yeah. well, It's he, just a
0: weird year, man. It is a strange year. A lot, lot left to happen, and I'm sure that we will be back on the podcast to talk about it when it does. Uh, Brock, I want to thank you once again for joining us to break down the the new Kendrick tracks. Um, as always, your insights are very much appreciated. Thanks for having um, me, man. This is a lot of fun. This has been the official It's All Dead podcast. If you like what you hear, pull up the uh, podcast app on your smartphone or pull up iTunes on your home computer. uh, Search for It's All Dead. Subscribe to our podcast. You'll stay up to date on every show that we release. And, of course, leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. And uh, once you've done that, come check us out at itsalldead.com. I'm Kyle Hawk. Thank you so much for listening. That's it for now. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the official It's All Dead podcast. You can download our podcast at iTunes and find exclusive music news and content at www.itsallday.com.